Our communion meditation is from Exodus chapter 32. So Exodus 32, and I'll read verses 1 through 8. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, these examples that uh, not only were true for that day, uh, are true for our day, and good examples to us that we must learn and take notice of. Thank you now, Father. Play, uh, we pray that you would uh, open our ears to your word and to your truth. In Christ's name, amen. This is the eighth message and uh, in this series, in the Wilderness series, and not much time has passed. I don't know if you've been kind of paying attention. These aren't every week, and so you might forget. But uh, we last addressed their lack of water in, in Exodus 17, and that's when Moses was commanded to strike the rock, and he did, and the water came out. And uh, yet, just two chapters then later on, after that, we read at Exodus 19, verse 1, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And so three months, that all that we have already discussed had happened, and uh, the Amalekites had attacked them, and they had fought them off, and Jethro, Jethro uh, Moses' father-in-law, had brought his uh, wife and children to be with him. All of that occurred before what I just read to you about the golden calf incident. So now I want to talk a little bit about Exodus 19 and Exodus 24 We get back to our, before we get back to our text. And I'll try to uh, not have this get bogged down in too much detail. In Exodus 19.3, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. So now Moses is being addressed by God and he is, uh, this is uh, prior to Exodus 20, where the moral law is instituted, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. So all of the people in verses 16 uh, and 17, it says this. He has uh, had them sanctify themselves for three days. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp 
to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. So now they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. God's uh, dark and stormy cloud is over the uh, top of the mountain, and there's this booming coming out, coming out of it. And when God addresses Moses, the people can hear his voice. Then in, uh, but, uh, going to verse 23, but Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. God is keeping distance between himself and the people, lest he kill them, frankly. So he is uh, personally requesting that Moses and at this point Aaron come back, but he wants the rest to be removed. Now let's skip ahead. Moses goes up, Aaron goes up. The moral law is presented through Exodus 20 to 23, and now we get to Exodus 24. And 24 starts like this. 23 ends with God addressing Moses. But 24 starts like this. Now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship them from afar. Often in this uh, narrative here, we see when God calls them and when they come, but we don't see the details of them leaving. It occurs several times more. I just wanted to point that out because telling time and telling who's in God's presence is sometimes not as easy as you would think because you have to note these points where something has transitioned. So I just read you Exodus 24, 1, and then I'll start at 2. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with them. And then let me skip ahead to verse 9. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. So now you've got 74 people climbing this mountain to come into God's presence. And this is after the moral law has been given. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand, so they saw God, and they ate and drank. And then I'll start at verse 13. Now, uh, the Lord again tells Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are here with you. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. And then at verse 18 of Exodus 24, So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So we know 90 days occurred prior to this. Now another 40 days were in the midst of it, plus perhaps a few days there where the moral law had been given to Moses and Aaron. And so now we're entering into this 40-day phase. I I just wanted to give you a uh, just a glimpse. Not much time has passed. Nine months, a few days, and now we're about to enter into this 40-day period. So let's go to our text, Exodus 32. So I read to you about Aaron making the golden calf. And the people come to him and said, As for this Moses who led us out of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. Therefore, make us gods. Now, 
how many people that are here present were with Moses when he was before God? Let's do the math. Who's on the mountain right now? Moses. Who is halfway up the mountain waiting for Moses to return? Joshua. And Joshua may have been one of the 70 elders we don't know. But there are an awful lot of people in this camp who were in God's presence 40 days earlier on this mountain. And yet none of them stand up in opposition to Aaron and these people making this golden calf. We just really have to take stock of that fact. These men were in God's presence, yet so quickly they've forgotten, not even six weeks earlier, and they have banished it from their mind. And why? Fear. Because now we have this riot, essentially, rising up from amongst these people that are fed up with sitting here in the desert doing nothing, waiting for this Moses, who they obviously lack respect for. So that's the situation that we're faced with here. Aaron obliges them. And this is the one that you really find, I think, most puzzling. He gets caught up in this. And let's reread this. The people saw Moses delayed coming down. They say, make us gods. Aaron said to them, break off the gold earrings. The people did it. He received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool. Now, all of you are probably aware of the fact that when he's confronted later by Moses, Aaron says, I tossed the gold into the fire, and out came this calf. Such a liar. This is Moses' big brother, and yet he's such a liar. He's been appointed as the high priest of all these people, and yet he's such a liar. It's just amazing to me that God could be tolerant of building a religion around people who are this corrupt, this filled with sin. So let me reread what I read earlier at Exodus 24, because I want to point out something to you that you won't catch, I believe, unless you focus on it. 24, 9 to 11. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. They ate and drank. Now, let's flip ahead to 32.6, and we read this. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You see, it's a little bit different. They've added a sacrament to this new man-made religion that they've created. Just eating and drinking isn't enough in God's presence. Now they eat and drink and rise up to play. Aaron assisted them in forming a man-made religion, of which he is the head. Obviously, he doesn't think Moses is coming back either. And yet that very day, when they start worshiping that golden calf, Moses comes down from the mountain. And let's see how Moses uh, interacted with this. 32 verse 20. He took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. So Moses acted with force. He acted with obvious leadership that Aaron had lacked. 
And then Aaron attempts to justify his sin. What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? Do not let the anger of the Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. They said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. I cast it into the fire and out came this calf. Miracle of miracles. Now, what does uh, Moses do? He calls the people to himself. Those of you that are faithful to the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites come. And then he says, arm yourselves and start killing people. The Levites armed themselves and started killing people. Most likely, those that were still caught up in the revelry of this man-made religion. And these Levites just started killing people. 3,000 died. Now, this is what I want to point out to you. At verse 30, It came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book of life, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of the book. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. So Moses offers himself up as a sacrifice in place of the people. And actually, the way it's phrased, he said, if you cannot save them, please blot me out too. He's saying, I don't want to go on if I can't bring these people with me. I don't. In other words, Moses did not want the burden of that loss on his conscience. And God just says, no, no, no. I will blot out. I control the book of life. I will blot out those who will be blotted out. It's not your call, Moses. And so Moses is commanded by God to be obedient to him and retain his soul for the sake of God moving forward. It's not his to give. It's not his to give up in league with all of these people that are lost. We've already talked about the fact that all of these people are lost. So Moses is interceding for their souls, for their lives. But he appears to be unaware of the fact that they are lost. They are the lost generation. And he offers something that he cannot fulfill. He is not the owner of his soul. God is. It's not his to give. He offers to give God that which he has no power over. So it just shows how even the leader, even Moses at that point, Heirs in not knowing the limitations of being a human, and especially being a fallen human, because obviously this is a picture of Christ. Christ will come. Christ will do what it is that Moses is pleading with God for. Moses has no idea the tremendous cost that will be incurred by Christ at this point. But we now know, we know, that man-made religions are made in opposition of Christ. And that's why Christ's name is hated on this earth. So now this episode in Exodus' history happens over and over and over again throughout the history of this world. All man-made religions are attempting to do just what this that we see them doing. We are horrified by this as Christians. We should be equally horrified by all man-made religions that attempt to resolve our sinful situation apart from the sacrifice of Christ. So they rushed into sin. 
Sadly, we often rush into sin. Our faith is weak, our patience is short, and we must be bolstered by the Holy Spirit. And so as we go to the table, that's what we do each week. We bolster through the power of God our weak faith. So let's do that now. Father, we do come before you and acknowledge that we are weak. We often rely upon ourselves and our own strength. And in reality, Lord, that is no strength, that is only weakness. So we pray, please come to us in our need. Come to us in our weakness and give us the faith that is yours to give. Give us the forgiveness and grace that is yours to give. And preserve our souls, which are only ours to lose, and they are not ours to give away or gain. So we thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. We thank you for the power of Christ and your Holy Spirit at work in this world. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen.